0: They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White.
1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Power Your Life, and it's a pleasure to be here and just a pleasure to actually well it's not raining I mean it is raining and where our guest is it's snowing so but be thankful for where you are whatever you're doing because it's a new day okay now this what i'm going to be talking about with this wonderful guest is to me is an amazing beautiful story and i just love it and and that's why I want us to to know more about this because taking care of other beings, whether it's it's humans or other species, is is an incredible gift. And Dawn Rasmussen actually had that incredible opportunity. She's a certified resume writer, the president of Portland, Oregon-based Pathfinder Writing and Career Services, and an author of Forget Job Security, Build Your Marketability, which is the first ever book that provides a complete roadmap on how to manage your career. When Dawn's not busy working with resume clients, speaking internationally and nationally to conference groups writing articles, blogs, or teaching, Dawn is hiking in Oregon, spectacular outdoors, kayaking, or plotting her next adventure. And you need to know that her most recent adventure during the COVID-19 pandemic has been acting as a stand-in mama raising an abandoned fawn, Thor, who was found on her property. Another thing that Dawn puts on her resume, Dear Mama, her newest book, Mighty Little Thor, A Fawn Lost and Found, is based on that truly wonderful experience. Welcome, Dawn Rasmussen. Did I get it right?
2: No, if you're close, Rasmussen. That's okay. Rasmussen. <laughs> oh, for Rasmussen, Dr. White. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And
1: like I said, introducing you. This is a wonderful story. So I want you to start from the beginning because to me, and it just fits in Dawn with the holiday season and embracing love and caring. And so I think it's perfect that, that we have you on at this particular time. So go to it. What happened? Tell us the story.
2: Well, gosh, um, it happened. And I'll interject every so... now
1: and again. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, know that.
2: <laughs> so the whole story uh, began in May of 2020, and that was during the pandemic. So 4 ended up becoming my pandemic project, as you already mentioned. And uh, my husband was out in the yard, and he heard a, uh, an animal bleaching like a sheep. And so he kind of went outside to check it out and um it turned out that there was this tiny little fawn that came and, and actually wandered out of the woods and stood on my husband's feet. And so at that moment we knew that uh, this little critter was in need of help and so we took um, the fawn to the vet and the vet examined the deer and said he was about a year, uh, sorry about a day old and he was definitely abandoned, um, newborn fawns do not wander around. And he was dehydrated and very hungry, and he had also messed his backside, which is not normal uh, to have it not cleaned. Mama deer keep their babies really clean so there's no predator.
1: So um, Could he was basically have pronounced hap- abandoned. Could something What's have that? happened to the mama that that? Yeah. I mean, did they usually abandon their their forms like no. that, or? They- It's
2: very unusual, so most likely the mom passed away. It could have been she could have died from complications from birth or was out and about and got, uh, you know, killed by coyotes or, you know, there's a number of different reasons. So uh, we'll never know, but what we can, you know, from that point, it was clear, and the vet said they didn't have any space where they were, so they kind of gave Thor back to us, and my husband Brad and I looked at each other and said, wow, I guess we're, to a deer. We have a deer. (laughs) And so it kind of became a very fast race to learn as much as I could about deer. And um, they actually cannot drink cow milk. They have to drink goat milk that's a closer um, biological relative to deer than cows are. And so we immediately started going to the store and buying out all the uh, goat milk supplies (laughs) until we found a powdered formula that worked just
1: as great. So So um, I have a question. so, well, firstly, so you couldn't take the fawn inside, or or did you? Or ha- I mean, what time of year was this? Was it was it in snow? Or? It was springtime, so it was May. His birth date was most likely May
2: 18th, and so it was warm enough outside. He did come in my office for just one week because he was so tiny that he would have been easily a snack for a lot of predators. So, um, but after that week, then it was quickly established that we needed to get him outside so we could be with the other deer. And so um, what happened was, is that during the day, fawns during the first month or so of their lives, they don't really wander very far. They go and lie down and then their moms come around and feed them. So he was free to run around during the day and he had already bonded with me. And so I would just call his name and say, Thor, time to get your milky, And he would come running down and get his bottle of milk every three hours. And at night, um, I'd set up a nighttime enclosure, and I set up a tent and actually slept outside for a month and a half until he was big enough that he could be on his own at night without having me kind
1: of protecting him. So
2: I had to eat him every three hours anyway.
1: (laughs) I love it. So how did he (laughs) respond to you? Initially, and then then ongoing.
2: Clear that his mom had not even been around for him to imprint on her because he he basically came right up to my husband thinking that you know maybe that was his mama. So it, obviously he he hadn't even had that bond with his mom. So when we kept that presence around him, and I I kind of pre, pretty much ended being the primary caretaker. So uh he really bonded with me and imprinted on me and so uh he just it, it was interesting because it was a two way street. I was reading up and doing research on um, deer and the lives of deer. And he also had a lot of instincts, so I had to learn to pay very close attention to his nonverbal cues and just kind of watch what he was doing, and that actually cued me in on a lot of things as well. So it was pretty amazing experience to kind of like have this two-way communication, and it really taught me a lot about being very much in the present and and just uh, not thinking about other things, just kind of be in the moment. And that was a really powerful lesson for me, in terms of a like a light lesson.
1: you know that's that's really important for not just for you but for so many other people, because oftentimes our minds will take us in another direction, and there could be something in the present, firstly something beautiful or something that needs to that we need to be alerted to. Um, I just saw somebody mm-hmm. the other day. Who was walking her dog, and she turned away for a minute, was doing something else with her phone. Not going to say anything about that. And the dog got wrapped around a pole, the the leash, <laughs> which you know oh, wow. could have been harmed. It wasn't because I was right there and I said and I was but. But again, we the, the present moment is key. That we real, like you said, we really need to be there. So that's important. Okay, go ahead. And,
2: it, you know, yeah, it, you're absolutely right there. And, you know, this little thing, like, I would go, uh, we would be walking in the yard and four would lie down. And so I'd sit down next to him. I figured that's why not. And normally deer, when they kind of bed down, they do it in a loose group. And so that was pretty normal behavior as far as deer are concerned. So I would just sit down next to him. And I learned to listen as well. And this was another life lesson too, um, you know, we humans are attuned to certain sounds, but to really listen and hear and kind of like cut through our own distractions to really hear what's going on around us. I watched Thor's ears and his body language, and he'd suddenly start focused in, and you could see his ears swivel and start focusing in on a certain noise. And I'd look up, and sure enough, there was a deer coming down the hill towards us, and um, I didn't hear it. Until he showed me to hear it, if that makes sense. So once I realized, start hearing things that I never paid attention to before, too. So it's like a kind of like a little bit more of a focused listening uh, exercise, and (laughs) so it helped me pay attention more about what was going around on around me as well. How did you decide on the
1: name Thor? Oh, that's such a sweet story.
2: I have a dear friend, and her son is autistic. And uh, I had put out a request to my friends on Facebook because it looked like this was going to be a long-term relationship with Thor. I kind of initially resisted naming him, but then it obviously came up that I probably should. So I asked my friends, and my uh, friend's son suggested Thor. He's a big... Um, fan of the Marvel uh, comic, and he's autistic, and so I thought this would be a great way to kind of help him connect directly to Thor, and um, so it's it was it was a really cool emotional connection for him, and just given that our last name is Rasmussen, it kind of makes sense. Thor Rasmussen sounds very uh, uh, Nor- Scandinavian
1: or something. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> great story. <laughs> so did he did. Thor ever interact, I mean, I know this, but I don't know that our listeners do, with with other deer? What happened?
2: You know, I was a little worried just because Thor was imprinted on me, and and I wanted him to be clear that he was a deer, not a human being. And so that was also another thing from the get-go. I was very focused that he is not a pet. As a wild animal, and I was going to raise him to be a wild animal. And so uh, part of it was just letting go and not trying to keep a hold of him. So uh, when we were in the nighttime enclosure situation, Thor was able to run around free during the day, and he normally would just lie down. And he would start interacting with other fawns at that age.
1: And then they as he got older... Did they come to the older, property? I mean, or... Oh. What happened? I mean, or did he just go off to to connect, or, or how did that work?
2: He has a home range,
1: and so as a fawn,
2: they don't stray very far from their mother. So basically, normally moms drop their fawns off in a certain area, and then they go off and go feed, and then they come back to feed their fawns. So in this case, four would be around here and he'd go he had special hiding spots on our property and so he'd go lie down up there and I knew it was usually kinda of approximately the usual spots to go look for him and so I would call him and when it was time to give him his milk bottle of milk and he would come running down. So that was
1: every three hours. But um
2: have we other older,
1: were other songs there or or other deer? I mean yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, so as soon as, uh, you know, he, uh, during the day, after about a month and a half, he was more uh, wandering around, and so the deer, there's a herd of deer that move around our property, and so they kind of have a circular route. Most deer have about a range of about one mile, one square mile, and so they kind of make rounds. So they come to our property, our neighbor's property, and that kind of thing. And so when they came around, the other fawns and Thor would play. And so it, he started interacting with them at that age. And then I remember the day, uh, it was in the fall of 2020, when he was, you know, fairly getting getting larger. And um, there was a whole herd of deer Kind of parading through our property, there were like 20 of them and I spotted Thor right in the middle of them and he just had his head high and I could just tell that he was feeling him- himself a part of that group. So he was definitely part of the herd. So I knew that I didn't have to worry at that point. So <laughs> um but he frequently, uh, started uh, connecting with other bu- young bucklings, other young males about his same age, and that was normal behavior too. And so he kind of ended up with a couple of bros <laughs> that he cowed <palled> around <laughs> with. <Yeah. laughs> and so he he got accustomed to the herd uh, pecking order. There's definitely a social hierarchy in deer. He was a little castigated at first because i think the deer were were really uh, unsettled with the uh, fawn that was so closely associated with a human being because the other deer watched us Uh, but then they got accustomed to my interactions with thor and um, they actually grew to accept me Um, so it was kind of funny because i ended up becoming a little bit more of the herd Um, so i would be out in the yard with thor and he'd lay down, so I'd sit down with him, and some of the other deer would kind of lie down, too. They weren't all, not all right next to each other. Usually deer, when they bed down, they're kind of in a very large, loose circle. And so I was actually included in that group. So that was pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> I love that. So do you think SOR, Sor told them, hey, here's my mama? Or what? I mean, we'll never know. but yeah. But-
2: I think he's a really good interspecies ambassador, uh, and so it was very, you know, touching and, and very humbling to me to suddenly have kind of like this all-access path to the lives of deer, and so they lowered their guards down. And certainly, they're not letting me pet them or anything like that. I, I didn't even try, but... Um, I was trusted, so they, even now to this day, most of the herd around here will end up having, you know, 20 deer bedded down in our yard. They just know it's safe here, but um, it just, you know, I can sit down, and, and they're not, Startled or worried or anything like that, and it's a quiet trust. And I don't—I'm very quiet myself and observant, so I'm not making a ruckus. So it's just kind of like I'm behaving more like a deer than a human, I guess, in their mind. So
1: <laughs> I love it. So how long? Well, finish the story because our—how long was was Thor with you, and and what are the you know what's what was next for Thor? Well, our, my
2: biggest hurdle was obviously I, I was um, feeding him by bottle. And so, yeah, deer, when they're fawn, they, primary, the primary food source is obviously mother's milk. And then they do actually also graze too. So um, I was trying to pay attention to what the other deer were nibbling on. And so I would pull, go pull the leaves and give them to Thor so he was kind of getting a mixed diet. And then um, by September, the end of September 2020, um, I ended up giving him his last milk bottle. And so it was a little sad because there was sort of a bond there when you're feeding this little baby. Um, Most mothers know that feeling. It's kind of that intimate bond. And so I was a little sad about that, but it was also, that was such a huge milestone, too. And he graduated from that just perfectly um, and kind of around that same time, maybe just a little bit before that, we kind of had some hurdles as well. Um, we had to evacuate twice due to nearby wildfires. And so that was a little hair-raising, to say the least, for us. But, you know, Thor is my son, basically. <laughs> and so I didn't feel like I could abandon him because if the fire actually swept through here, he wouldn't know okay. where to go. And, and usually the herd would be all connected together and everything. So, um In both instances, um, we ended up taking Thor with us. And so one time we had a little bit of notice that we were able to pack some belongings. And then I opened up the car door and he popped right into the front seat. I couldn't believe it. I didn't even have to urge him. He just jumped in there. Um, And so it was kind of a funny post because I ended up going to a friend's house. And I was going really slow because Thor had never been in a car before and I didn't want him falling and so I had my blinkers on, and uh, someone posted in the local town Facebook page saying, does anybody know anything about the woman with the fawn in her car with her blinkers on? <laughs> it's just sort of an odd post, it was just kind of funny. but. Um, and then the second time, we had almost zero notice, and actually, I was just so incredibly amazed that Thor just jumped right in the car without being prompted, and he just laid down oh. in the back.
1: <laughs> well, he he wanted to be with his mom. I mean, no questions asked. Yeah. Does that makes. Yeah. Now I have a question though. Yeah. How did you? That was his last feeding, his last bottle. How did you know that that was going to be the end? How did it get to that place where, where you had made that decision, or or what ha, what led up to that, Dawn? Well, as
2: far as weaning Thor, that was, um, you know, it was kind of just intuition. I was watching what the other moms were doing. And when uh, those are weaning their fawns, they will permit the babies to nurse. But if they kind of get done with it, the mothers, they'll just kind of step over the fawns and just basically deny access. And so I realized I was going to have to be kind of, uh, uh, you know, have some tough love there. Um, I had been gradually increasing the non-milk food supplements. And, and that a lot of it was just, you know, grasses and leaves that I found in the yard. And so, in fact, I used to make what I called a uh, uh, leaf salad. <laughs> so I'd go around, get a big bowl, go pick all kinds of leaves and whatnot that I noticed that the deer were, deer were eating. And I also got a lot of clover. And so I knew he was getting um, a, a full belly of stuff that the other deer were eating. So it was all food. So he wasn't, wasn't going to suffer nutritionally. And I had been gradually decreasing the amount of milk I was giving him. And then it was like the last one. I I knew we were really close. And so I just had to make a decision, okay, this is the last one. And he, you know, he still felt like bonded with me, but he didn't beg for it, which was really good too. So I I felt like it was actually an easier transition than I thought it was going to be. But I think perhaps by fully walking into that process, it helps make the transition a lot easier.
1: So now it's like oh. two years beyond that. Where where is Thor, and what's your connection now? Does Thor still come visit, or what? Tell us more, <laughs> Dawn. Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, you know, um, it is the rut right now, and so Thor is actually not around. And so I'll just throw some interesting facts out. Um, so are born on what they call a birth range. It's their normal range when they're babies that their babies and their mamas take them around on. And then at exactly one and a half years old, um, the bucks will disperse, which means they depart their birth range. And then they go find their own new territory that could be anywhere from 3 to 23 miles away. So this is a big journey for them. Now only seventy percent. Well, actually, seventy percent of bucks disperse. So that means seventy percent of all bucklings will go out and never come back to their birth range ever again.
1: Do they um, travel together? A, or do they do that no, all by, them? by
2: themselves? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, the there is a thirty percent that stay in their birth range. And so right. I was just. Last year was the, that exact time, and Ford did take off for a month, and I wasn't sure if I he had already taken off and that was it. and But he did come back. And so I think he maybe dabbled out there and then just decided that he had it pretty good here. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's a 30% chance that he was going to stick around. So he actually stayed, uh, came back, Um, last December and stayed all the way through um, the end of October this year. So he would come by almost every day. It was usually a pattern of, you know, come by, hang out for a couple days and take off for a couple days, and then I would see him a a week, and then he'd come back again. But the rut is uh, kind of a deciding factor as far as those hormones, and deer can actually tell their family members by smell, and so all the female does around here are actually his sisters, aunts, and cousins. And okay. so he, they don't mate with their own relatives. So that meant that Thor, if he's going to, you know, uh, mate, he had to leave this area and go find some other does that are not related. And so I don't know exactly where he is. Chances are that they're quite, he's quite a ways away. Um, there is, uh, there are two bucks that are here right now that are not normally in this range and they're still chasing the females. So I'm just going to apply the same logic that if they're still here in this territory, which is not their home territory, and they're still chasing the females, then probably Thor's doing the same thing elsewhere. So the rut is winding down, so I'm hoping he'll be back within the next two to three weeks. But there may be a chance that he just decided to go ahead and, and disperse anyway. That's fair as he's older, they tend to not change territory. So um, it's called site fidelity. And so he'd be, you know, if he if he comes back, then there's probably a very high chance he'll never, ever disperse. And so he will go out of his range to go uh, during the mating season to go mate, but he'll return back here. And so I think he does feel a very strong bond with me. Um, you know, it's been kind of interesting with deer, they are actually really intelligent animals, and they can uh, have fun. I, you know, I've played with Thor. I mean, how many people can, you know, we chase each other, and I kind of say, woogie, 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 and he'll dance away, and then he'll come jumping over, and he'll slide right up to me, and you can tell he's smiling. Um, <laughs> <and> he's <laughs> definitely having fun. Or, or uh he also has a sense of humor. And there was one time I was uh, getting something. I was bending down to pick something up on the ground. And he very quietly came right up behind me and very gently w- lined up his antlers and, and basically gave me a big nudge on my backside. <laughs> and I could tell he was just like, look at me, mom. And he just gave me a big nudge. <laughs> and, you know, they can also get mad. I mean, his hormones kick in and he was not that he did not want me around physically right next to him and he would kind of nudge kind of move his antlers around like go away and it's like okay you know I'm going to give you your space that's what you want so uh, they have very strong non-verbal communication obviously but surprisingly deer actually talk a lot they have a lot of vocalizations and uh, I've learned some of them <laughs> But uh, I I
1: just had no idea that deer made noises, really. Well, well, that's amazing. Probably all animals do to some extent that we're just not really aware of in some way, shape, or form. But it's wonderful that you were able, Dawn, to pay attention to his cues and do the research to learn so much more so that you could familiarize yourself with just what are needed and, and forms needed, and, and that's, you know, that's a credit to you because that's not an easy task. How did you feel about the experience? A little bit of retrospective here.
2: You know, I have to say, uh, Dr. White, that I feel like I am very incredibly humbly blessed this was not a normal uh, experience for most human beings, and mm-hmm. You know, I didn't tell you before, but we also had to go through two pretty serious injuries that Thor experienced. And I think from those treating him and taking care of him, I'll tell you about what happened. But just the overall perspective is it really was a huge measure of how much trust and um, connection that he and I have that he came back when he was injured. So the first time was he showed up one day and he was maybe four or five months old and I came outside on the deck and he was standing there and his jaw was hanging absolutely askew and he was drooling and I realized that his jaw jaw had been broken and probably what happened was he got too close to another deer and they gave a back kick and broke his jaw. Um, Horrified and I, I didn't know what to do. There's not a whole lot you can do and it's actually a fairly frequent injury to deer and so um, he came, and so what I did was I ended up pureeing vegetables because he couldn't chew. And so that, <laughs> that was what, a couple weeks of uh, pureeing food so he could lick it up, and I think that helped get him through that. And his jaw's healed. It's still crooked, but he can definitely still eat, and he can eat acorns and things like that. So he is definitely able to survive on his own without that, you know, any other assistance after he healed. Um, the second time was he also again showed up. This was probably last fall, and um, he would, I just, He had not been around, and I, I called him, and he didn't show up, and then I went back inside, and 10 minutes later he's on the deck, and he was horribly injured. He had gotten impaled on a uh, probably a barbed wire fence, and his mm. knee was, had a giant hole in it and he was barely able to walk and he had lost a lot of weight. And I think that uh, he probably, it hurt too much to walk to get food, but when he heard me call him, he made a connection and so he showed up. And so he literally spent a couple of weeks here. Um, he would just lie down on our deck. There was a little doormat that we have out there that became kind of his favorite little spot to rest on. And so I fed him, and I treated the wound. And after it closed up, then I was doing some massage on his leg because it was getting really stiff, and I wanted to keep it limber. And so I kind of called it massage therapy. <laughs> and so, uh, but he would actually held his leg out a couple times for me to rub his leg and I rubbed his back and it's just like he knew what I was doing and now he's able to run around and jump and all that stuff like normal deer. I could tell it's a little stiff sometimes, but you know, it hasn't affected him mobility wise.
1: So You know, that's uh, like a, do- think- a, a dog that rolls over and wants you to, to rub his belly, giving you that, <laughs> yeah. that message. So that's great that that he yeah. felt comfortable enough, Dawn, to g- communicate that, you know, more, give me more.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah or just, I hurt, I need help, and, and he knew that I would take care of him. So. You know, as far as where our relationship now is, it's like if you have a really good friend and you haven't seen them for a while and they show up and you can just pick up right where you left off, that's pretty much where we're at. And so I, you know, I kind of have the dual mindset of geez, you know, I missed Thor, I haven't seen him during the rut, I hope he's doing okay. And, but then at the same time, I know I've done a good job because he's off doing exactly what he was supposed to do, and I'm fulfilling that destiny of giving him free agency as a wild animal to go live his life
1: the way he's supposed to. So, um, so it's kind of like a, a two different, two-sided sword there. <laughs> so, right. But kudos to you because that's important to be able to to let go when you need to let go, and and be able to let Thor go out and live. The life that that he was supposed to live. So, we don't have that much time. So, tell us about this your newest book that that I mentioned. What was the stem to write it, and what do you want people to get from the story? Oh
2: gosh, um, I you know this book I, it it is something that was just such a love story for me to write, really. Um, And what kind of precipitated it was it seemed like a lot of people, especially kids, didn't know much about the lives of deer specifically. I mean, I had to learn so much, um, and uh, there's still more to learn. But um, so I thought, oh, why don't I create a children's book? And I I used images, for, that I pictures that I'd taken and then made them into illustrations. And so the book itself, Mighty Little Thor, Fawn, Lost, and Found, tells the story about Thor. But most importantly, it just reminds us that wildlife needs to be wild. And so it's to you know, talk about his journey and his and my relationship, but ultimately he needed to go off and be the wild deer that he is now. And so... Um, it, it's a social-emotional learning book, and a lot of teachers have picked up on it. And so I, I know several teachers that they have the book, the kids read it in the classroom, and then they have a whole unit where they're doing things like coloring and you know doing research or things like that. So it really helps people better understand the lives of deer. I mean, most people think, oh, I can feed deer corn, for example. Corn is horrible for deer. It can cause a wasting disease and um, a lot of times people are tempted to feed corn to deer in the winter. Well, deer metabolisms are really much more uh, attuned to the leaner times of winter, and if they get corn, it's like a huge carbohydrate blast, and so then that speeds up their um, systems, and that's where they start wasting, so stuff like oats is much better for deer, so it's just kind of helping people learn about the lives of deer but share this touching story in a way that builds that personal connection to wildlife and nature and just listening to what the world has to say out there and paying attention so um but yeah it's it's uh, about 88 pages and um, it really walks through some of the adventures we had, including the fire evacuations, (laughs) but also just growing up as a deer, and it's, it's a really good journey that teaches kids about the lives of deer.
1: Beautiful. So, Dawn, tell people how they could get a hold of you, how they could get a hold of this book and also your other book, Forget Job Security, Build Your Marketability, and you.
2: Absolutely. So, um, Thor, Mighty Little Thor is on Amazon.com, as is my other book, Forget Job Security, which is basically about career stuff since I'm a resume writer. And if you want to check it out, there is ForTheDeer.com. And if you want updates about Thor, he has his own web page, and it's ForTheDeer.com. And uh, there's also a TikTok account, ThorTheDeer1. Uh, if you want to see any videos there and on Facebook, he's got his own page too. So I try to really kind of keep things educational and share uh, Thor's life. So it's a great way to follow his uh, where he is. So I think there's a lot of people now anxiously waiting to see when he returns, hopefully in December from his rut. So, including myself.
1: <laughs> and December is not that far away. It's like starts tomorrow. So we'll know, right? I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. So, Dawn, what but would you like to leave our listeners with?
2: I think if everybody can just take a moment and stop and appreciate nature and the world outside, it has a lot to teach us and it can also influence our life too. I've learned to be a better listener and just be more observant, thanks to Thor. Um it's kind of funny, sometimes when I'm hiking, I'll start looking at leaves and think, oh, that's a really good leaf to eat. And I'm thinking, I, it's not for me, it's for
0: thorns.
2: So <laughs> it's funny how you kind of shift your perspective. You start seeing things in a different light. And I think those are life lessons that can be applied in a variety of different ways.
1: And, you know, that's that's very important. We need to be observant. We need to care about nature. And like I said earlier, I love the message that you have, and I love the the story and the book. So thank you so much for all you've done, not only for Thor, but for for people and helping them. And you are a gift. Well, thank you. It was a
2: pleasure to be here and chat with you today.
1: My pleasure, and have a beautiful and blessed day. You too, as well. Thank you. So think about what Dawn said because, because firstly it's such a beautiful story and a wonderful way of caring for nature and being there to step up when somebody needs you to step up, whether it's a deer or another human being or another animal or whatever and and it's so important i think it's a great message that we can be there for others and we need to pay attention to that and also what dawn said is that it's all you know we do need to pay attention to nature we do need to be able to be observant and know what's going on in our world and not be so absorbed and i'm going to say something people may not like but you know when you're walking out in nature, stop always looking at your phone and texting. There's a beautiful world out there, and sometimes we're missing it because we're so glued to the phone so hope hope people don't get angry about that, but I- and again, there's a time for that, and there's a time to be out and really experience life and beauty and all the gifts that it has to offer so If you want to get a hold of me, I'll give you the short version. Go to DocWhite.org. And remember that you have a way of contributing to life, even in ways like Dawn did that you don't even imagine is possible. Have a beautiful day and take care of you and others around you.
0: You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.